Hey everybody, this is Jade and welcome to another episode of Jade Start Secrets podcast. In this episode, I'm joined with the lovely Jade Cook. She's the founder of Coco Lashes and Brows and Brow Bible Academy, and she's also one of my fabulous clients. I was doing some one-on-one coaching with Jade towards the end of last year and we covered a module called storytelling and in that module I actually got to hear Jade's story which was so incredibly inspiring. She's overcome cancer, she's um, had so many adversities when she's tried to migrate to Australia and in this episode she shares all of those adversities with you and shares her journey about how she broke some incredible molds to be able to build the dream life that she's always wanted ever since she was a little girl. So I hope that you find this story super inspiring. I know I was so moved and, and motivated and driven after hearing this story. And it's a really good one, especially considering the times that we're facing at the moment to reframe and put everything into perspective around what's important. So I hope you enjoy the episode. So the big question is this, how do we have the freedom we crave so badly when we're stuck in jobs we don't like, leaving us unfulfilled, exhausted and trapped? What if I told you that you're already qualified enough to start building a life on your terms, the life of your dreams? That is the question and this podcast will show you how by giving you the answers. My name is Jade Weller and welcome to Jade Start Secrets Podcast. So let's let's rewind and take it back because I know mm-hmm. that you haven't always been business minded. So um, and you're also not from Australia. So maybe share a little bit yeah. about where you're from and what you were like as a kid. Yeah. Um, so growing up, I've always been really creative. Um, had such a creative flair and I guess not really been um, good at the whole maths and like all of that side of things. So, um, yeah, it was really hard for me, like growing up in school and, and unfortunately, like the way the schooling system was back then was they would put you into, um, sets of like the way that I looked at it as a kid was like, oh, if you're in set one, you're smart. If you're two, you're like that medium. If you're in three, you're basically dumb. And not just me, but a lot of the other kids would look at it like that too. And I was always put in that set three. And more so, I guess the system was just basically just trying to help the ones that were struggling that little bit um, to just give them that extra bit more of help. But for me, I just seen it as, oh, if I'm in set three, then I'm dumb. And then you'd have to get like extra classes and extra help. So um, I didn't feel like I fitted in a lot in school and like felt like that was where I was meant to be. I couldn't wait to leave school. Um, My grandparents have always traveled and they've been such a big influence on me um, when it comes to traveling. And so I basically was just like, I want to leave school and start traveling. Like, can, why am I here? <laughs> I don't need to be here. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, I guess I just, the biggest thing I started searching for was how can I build a career and travel at the same time? And it wasn't until I um, started um, this little like project with the way that the schooling was, they were giving you the opportunity to go out one day a week to do a work experience and one day where you go to like a trade um, college. And then that's where then I found my absolute passion of beauty um, because it is such a creative um, job. So I was like, wow, I can't believe that I get to do this as a job. It's super creative. I get to make people feel amazing. Like this is just like perfect for me. And then um, the cruise lines came in and they were talking about how you can get a job um, working in the spa around the cruise ships. And I'm like, perfect. So I've got my job that I love. And then I get to travel too. Um, when I like was in school and was kind of figuring all of this out, I would speak to my granddad about it. And 
he turned around to me and he was like, don't worry, Jade, like you don't need to worry about this. When you start traveling, like travel, you, you learn so much from that. And I was always like, what, what are you talking about? Like you'll learn so much more from like traveling. So, um, and then it wasn't until I did start traveling that I realized that, wow, you become so worldly and learn so much from the people that you meet and the experiences that you have, that it was a incredible experience. So, um, I don't know what it was, but from a young age, I've always had a fascination with Australia and I've always wanted to come over here. So maybe share where you're from. I know the accent might give it away, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that would be a good point. Um, so I'm originally from England. Um, so I'm originally from England and my grandparents actually lived in Spain as I grew up. So I got to grow up in beautiful Spain too. So Mallorca, the island is. And, um, yeah, so I was pretty lucky to grow up there too. And I guess that's where the idea of wanting to travel and, um, and like live in a hotter country and not so much rainy, miserable England. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I just felt like that just wasn't my home and that wasn't where I was meant to be. And I wanted to find a place that I I could feel settled and I could feel like I could set um, a base up and, um, yeah, build from there really. So, yeah. So how old were you when you started traveling then? Um, I was actually, I, I just turned 18 when I um, got the job on the cruise ships. Mm-hmm. So I'd never left my um, hometown other than going to my grandparents' place in Spain. I never really had gone anywhere else in England. And um, then the training was down in London and I had to be down there. And when you get the job, you don't actually know when you're going on the cruise ship. So you have to go down to the training academy for a few weeks. Sometimes you can be there for a few weeks. Sometimes you'll be there for a few months. You just don't know. So it was a little bit daunting going down there when I was like 18 years old, um, going all the way down to London, a big city like that when I'm like from like a smaller town. Um, And then from there, then, um, yeah, I started working on the cruise ships. I met a few Australian friends and that was where I was like, okay, this is my way in. I can stay with one of my friends to begin with and then kind of go from there. And, um, and that's what I did. So I did two contracts. So one, uh, my first one was nine months and then my second one was eight months. Um, in between that, I traveled and gone to Thailand and other places in Asia. And then eventually I decided to make the big move and come over to Australia not really knowing what I was in for and what I was doing, or I just was kind of like in my own little bubble, like, I'll make it work. And then I got over here and I was like, oh, I need a visa. And like, well, I had obviously a working holiday visa, but I was like, wow, I need to start figuring out now how I can actually get like citizenship and residency. And and that was a whole other ball game. (laughs) You mentioned to me um, when we were doing this storytelling module that you actually met somebody on the ship who inspired you and sparked your passion for business. What Mm -hmm. was his name? (laughs) His name was Smitty. (laughs) So I feel like it's like Smitty off like a pirate, like some pirate or something, but he wasn't a pirate. He's amazing. But, um, so, um, yeah, no, I, um, he was very worldly as well. He is actually originally from San Andres, um, in the Caribbean and, um, and yet he worked on cruise ships most of his life. He was probably about 50 when I met him and, um, and he'd probably been on ships for about 20 years. And, um, and just 
the like inspiration that I got from him from he'd had businesses prior to working on the cruise ships and stuff too. And we always then when spoke when um, we spoke about leaving our contracts, we always spoke about let's set up a, a business together. I can run the salon. You can be like the investor. Um, we wanted to do something maybe in Singapore or uh, we spoke about Australia a little bit, but it was more so in Singapore. And, um, and yeah, so then when I left my um, second ship, I was like, okay, I want to do this. I want to set my own business up. Um, this sounds absolutely amazing what I want to do. And um, yeah, be able to just help as many people as I can with that then. Um, so yeah, that's when I thought, well, obviously I need to find a base. So that's where I come to Australia then. Yeah, nice. And so you mentioned that you had some troubles getting visas. I mean, I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot of people can probably relate. I've actually got another client yeah. that had some similar troubles. But what did you go through when you were trying to get here into Australia? Yeah, so I started off on a working holiday visa. Um, you can't be on like working for the same place for six months. So I um, had to then um, move on after I started working my first job. And then I, well, that's when I moved to Cairns. And uh, when I moved to Cairns, then um, with all of that, I'm not sure when to throw this bit in, but then um, just as I've moved to a whole new country on my own, that is, I was staying with a friend from, my crew, from um, the cruise ships that I've met on the cruise ships. And, uh, but then moving to Cairns, I actually was moving there completely on my own after this. She was in Townsville, I was in Cairns. And, um, and so I just found out like, okay, I need to move on, I need to get a new job. And then with all the mix of all of this, I then found out I had a tumor in my leg as well. So I moved to Cairns and I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to look into getting treatment, everyone at the time was telling me, you need to go home. Um, you found this out, you need to go home. And I was like, no, I'm determined to sort my visa out and actually get to stay here. And so in the mix of everything, um, I started looking into, can I stay here and can I have treatment here? And thankfully they have like reciprocal rights with um, England and um, Australia. So we can actually um, have like the public health care. Um, so if Australians go over to England, they can have the same um, care as well. Um, so once I found that out and I realized I wouldn't have had to pay for surgery or any of the treatment, then I was like, well, I'm definitely staying. And now I need to figure out what I'm doing with my visa if I'm going to do that. Um, so when I moved to Cairns, I was in the process of trying to sort out what I'm doing with my visa, as well as trying to look after myself and my health. And, um, and so I started having, um, so no, I ended up having um, the operation on my leg. I flew to Brisbane um, to have the operation done on my leg. So what they had to do was actually take all of the, um, as much cancerous cells out as they could from the top of my thigh. Um, and then after that, once I would heal, then I was then going to go into radiation and do treatment. My mom flew over um, with me for two weeks um, just to help me because I literally couldn't do anything once I had the operation. I needed help showering, going to the toilet, changing myself, everything. Um, so thankfully, she was able to fly over to do that. At the time, she didn't really have the money to do that either. So we were struggling, both of us, financially with that. But somehow we made it work. <laughs> so, um, so she was able to come over, help me with that. And then once I started to recover, she then um, headed back to England. Um, again, I was on my own after this, once mom went back, hadn't really made any friends, didn't really know anyone. I was seeing this guy at the time and I literally had just met him, the poor thing. And then all of a sudden he's got this girlfriend going through all this stuff. Um, and uh, his family were amazing. His family helped me out a lot. So I was pretty lucky in that sense um, that I did have them to help me now and then. I always remember this one day when I was in Cairns 
and I needed to get at the time that was when I was still buying credit on my phone I didn't have a contract or anything like that and um, and I hadn't got any food in the house and I was like I just need to get to the shops they're literally like five minute walk down the road um I just need to get to the shops get some phone credit I couldn't ring anyone because I had run out of credit so I just need to make it down there on my own and then get what I need to get and come back I made it down there in an excruciating pain in the disgusting heat that Cairns gets to this is like in the midst of summer and then got the credit got halfway and just burst into tears and was like sitting on the side of the road in tears um because i was in so much pain like my leg was just like this was through going through my radiation and my leg was just burnt to a crisp it was fried and so painful and um so then thankfully because i got the credit then i was able to then call um my boyfriend's mom at the time um and ask her to come basically scoop me up off the side of the road and help me so i'm trying not to cry because i'm like <laughs> That's such a thing to go through at such a young age too and to be doing it all on your own like so many people are whinging now about having COVID-19 and it's nothing like compared to something like this like this is this is so tough like and it builds so Mm. much resilience in you and your story is so inspiring. Mm. Yeah I guess that's like Oh, I'm trying not to get emotional. <laughs> I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah, I um, I guess like going through something like that and not just that, but there's a lot of other things that have happened too. You do get a lot of resilience. So like a lot of things that do happen to you, it's just like, this is nothing. And, and not just things that I go through. Like I'm very much aware of things that happen in the world and to other people too. And and I, that's I think what makes me just push on through with a lot of hard times because I'm like, there's so many more people out there that are way worse off than me. And a lot of stuff that does happen, I just try to look for the lesson in it and just try and push through it and then just learn from it and move on. And um, and I guess like just everything, everything happens for a reason. I've always believed that. And, um, going through something like that was just, um, yeah, just, I guess made me the person who I am really. So, and thankfully, obviously I did get through it. I had the radiation. Um, I did have checkups for the next five years after that. And then finally, like a few years ago, I got the all clear, which was amazing. Um, so yeah, obviously that's like, amazing to just hear those words that you're all good but obviously now from now onwards it's just constantly like keeping up your health and looking after yourself and stuff but yeah yeah so with going through all of that I'm then trying to still sort my visa out (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah so I um then once I um started to kind of recover from the radiation at the time Thankfully, I guess it just, things just fall into place in the right way at the right time. But at the time, um, I did have a job in a spa that I was working at in Cairns. And um, they weren't really that busy. They couldn't give me the hours that I wanted. And I and they knew what I was going through with my radiation and, and everything. So they were very lenient on hours that I could do. And once I started to get better, um, I actually said to them, look, I really am, like, appreciate it how helpful they've been and how understanding they've been but I do need to move on to somewhere that now is going to give me more hours and more work so that's when then I started working in this lash and brow bar in um, Cairns and that's where it really started to kind of like 
that started all just to fall into place of where I'm like destined to be, what I'm meant to do. And yeah, so I, um, and then from there, this is still trying to sort out all my visa and figure it all out through all of this too. It's a long process. Um, and once I finally started working in um, the Lash and Brow place, uh, she was so happy with how dedicated I was to the job and she wanted to keep me around. So I actually asked her if she wouldn't mind sponsoring me. And that was then where I was like, okay, my visa is about to be finished. And now that I have this security of this um, sponsorship, now I can start working on that visa. And um, so it's not as easy as just going straight into the sponsorship. So I actually had to go on to a student visa because through all of this, I, my visa was running out. <clears throat> so I had to study something before I actually found that I had a sponsor. So I started studying um, business, um, doing a business diploma. and. Um, and it just so happened that it was super, super helpful coming down the track, but <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, but I was like, yeah, I'll just do this business diploma. Um, and so I started studying that. And then it was a few months later, that's when I found that um, my boss would sponsor me. So I had to still finish my student visa. So I was on that for a year and then I was able to get sponsored. So I was working with her for about three years. The sponsorship is two and a half years. Um, and, uh, after I'd finished my sponsor, well, I hadn't quite finished it. It was, I finished the sponsorship and there was six months left on it that I need to finish completely for me to have my permanent residency. And, um, and then at the time, my then now new partner, um, then he was moving to, um, Sunshine Coast to study engineering. And I didn't really want to go, um, being in Cairns and he's in Sunshine Coast so I wanted to move there with him and I just asked her and said are you happy for me to move on and move down to Sunshine Coast and I know I've meant to have six months left on my visa to finish off but would you be happy for me to finish early um so I moved on finished early and uh, moved to the Sunshine Coast and it was probably about six months later um my visa got investigated and they wanted to know why I have left six months earlier. I feel like I'm skipping a lot of steps here. So if you remember anything from all of this, just stop me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so after I, so I decided to set up the business in Sunshine Coast. Um, and uh, because I was, uh, when you go on that visa, you automatically come as a resident. So that's why I was able to set up a visa. Um, but to have like your permanent residency, that's like after you've finished your sponsorship. Um, at the time too, my boss was also looking at selling the business. So because there was a bit of uncertainty there of like what was actually going to be happening, that's why I think she was happy for me to move on because she wasn't really knowing what she was going to do with the business too. And I think she was just kind of, yeah. Anyway, so that was all happening. And um, so I was able to move down to Sunshine Coast and, um, and set up the business. So it was all very exciting and everything was going on. Everything was going really good. Um, after about five months, I, it was going so well that I actually ended up taking out my first lease and ended up taking on my first employee, which again was just all so crazy. And, um, and then I had two employees at the time, I think after a year later, um, I think it was about a year later. And then um, I then got this letter through the post to say that your visa is actually being put on hold and you could possibly be kicked out of the country. Um, because uh, we've um, realized that you've left six months earlier than you should have done with your sponsorship and they wanted to know why. 
So that started becoming an investigation on what was happening and why it all happened and why I left early and having to um, kind of uh, communicate back and to to my old boss and the immigration. So through all of this that then was happening at that time, unfortunately then my grandparents, they are absolutely like, they're like basically like my parents. I absolutely love them so much. And um, I've grown up with them like as if they are like my second parents and, my grandma was like my mum, and then I ended up finding out that she passed away. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying not to cry again. <laughs> I'm trying not to cry again. Um, but yeah, I found out that she passed away, and um, I needed to um, get back to Spain for the funeral. And at the time, that was when my visa was being investigated, so I wasn't meant to be leaving the country. And so I was like, I don't care. I, I need to go. Like this is, you know, this is my grandma. I need to go and and be a part of the funeral and be there and so me and my sister flew over there and um, my migrant agent at the time was just like just go um, we'll figure all of it out and um, we'll sort through it so while I was over there I had to postpone my flights um, while I was there um, I was there for two weeks had to postpone them for a little bit longer because they still they were basically saying that um, we don't think you can come back into the country because we're still trying to sort out your visa whether you can come back in or not which to me was absolutely crazy because at the time I had my partner, I'd been living there for about, I've been in Australia by then by like four years. I built up a life. I'd have my, I have my partner there. I um, have my business. I had employees. So I had all of this going on, but they were then saying that there's a possible chance that you can't come back in the country. So so, from your laptop, a salon business from your laptop in Spain while you were trying to yeah trying to run the business you know manage my staff everything from um yeah from spain and then obviously in the midst of all of this immigration saying there's a possible chance you can't come back in so yeah i um i was just obviously you'd be freaking out a little bit thinking well what the hell is going on (laughs) i need to know what's going on i've got a business everything um but thankfully because i i've left on such a good relationship with my boss previously um she was like don't worry we'll sort it out um she basically just had to write up a letter it just so happened that she did sell the business um just after I had left um, to somebody else. So um, with the way that the immigration works, that it's like they could see that because it had been passed on, it was no longer hers. And because of the um, financial difficulty that um, she was going through, that they were able, like, which was out of her hands, they were able to kind of waive the situation and, um, and be able to grant me then my visa back. So Yes, it was a little bit of a sticky situation, but it was just a bit of a relief once I got that news, once they received the letter and they reviewed it and they were happy with what had happened. Um, yeah, they were, um, they were okay for, to let me back in then. So I was then able to fly back and, um, and then, yeah, continue to then look into then doing citizenship because I'm like, I don't want this taken away from me. I will need to become a citizen now. So um, that was then a few years later, but yeah. And so over that, over the next few years, you've actually built your business up to be extremely successful, your lash and brow business, mm. Coco Lashes and Brows. Mm. Um, and you had yeah. staff at one stage? Um, well, literally just a year ago, I had two salons and 14 staff. Wow. 
wow, that's phenomenal. But I actually know yeah. that it was actually a massive headache as well. So um, Yeah, it's like basically 14 headaches. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you could share a little bit about, because I'm sure there are a lot of people that are going to be watching that have beauty salons mm-hmm. or aspire to have big beauty salons. So maybe you can share a little bit about the, obviously you had some amazing good times having two salons. Yeah, of course. Up, yeah, yeah, definitely. challenges that you faced with that too? Um, so it, I've never owned a business before. This is the first time I've owned an actual business. Um, and so it was kind of like, I'm in hot water here. I'm constantly in uh, a position where I'm just learning all the time. Like every single day that I wake up, I was learning something new and, um, and it was, it was just a massive learning curve and I wouldn't, everything that is, has happened, I would not take any of it back, good and bad. I wouldn't take any of it back because I've learned so much from it. And, um, and so, um, like I said, from the beginning, when I first moved to Sunshine Coast, the business was doing so well. It just so happened that I'd come at a time where there wasn't really that much competition around me. Um, there wasn't really that many people that were doing what I was doing. And so it did boom pretty quickly. Um, I built it up pretty quickly within like five months. And, um, and obviously I'm good at what I do (laughs) that too. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and so yeah, after five months I was just renting a room out of a beauty salon and, um, I decided I wanted to have just my own space and just to be able to grow it from there. And at the time I first got the lease, I looked around, I was like, Oh my God, this is such a huge space. I don't know how I'm going to fill it. And then I did fill it to a point where I was like, Oh my God, we need more space. So that was pretty crazy. And we always laugh about that, especially my, my partner, because of when we were first designing the space and setting up the work areas, I didn't set up to be at the capacity that it did get to. And I was like, wow, I should have maybe listened to him and thought maybe I'll just set up a few more areas. But um, initially to start, it was just me and one other girl. And, um, and so I just trained her to do the reception and um, just to know how to do brows to begin with. And then she become extremely good at what she was doing. And so I was like, you're a waste of space to be on reception. You need to be fully on the tools. I need to bring somebody else on to help us. So then I would bring somebody else on to help the reception and then train them because I was doing lashes and brows at the time. And then I was wanting to focus more on doing brow tattooing instead of doing the lashes. So I brought on another lash artist. And then I thought, well, what if this lash artist gets sick? Then maybe I need a backup. So I'll bring on another lash artist. And it just basically kept growing from there. And I was like, what about if this happens? Then maybe I should bring this one on. And each person that I brought on, I would train up and um, we would all help each other out and, you know, help training each other up. And um, and it just kind of um, went from there. And um, by the time I think it was about three years. I had the lease, the f- my first year, uh, first lease. Actually, rewinding back, um, I had the business for about a year and a half or two years, and I was getting a lot of demand once I started the brow tattooing up in Cairns, where I had originally lived, through knowing a lot of my friends and things up there. And, um, and so I started going up there on um, a monthly basis, like once a month for a week to do the brow tattooing. And, um, and then the demand up there becomes so big that I considered opening up a salon there too. And I'd worked with a girl there from my previous work um, where I'd originally started working um, in Cairns. And I asked her, you know, would you want to come in and manage the salon? 
and help me build the salon up in Cairns. And, um, and she agreed to it. So I said, okay, great. Well, I've got someone there that I can ha have help look after it. Let's build it up and start doing something in Cairns. At least then I'll have my own space. Then when I go up there to do the brow tattooing and that's where then Cairns started to flourish too. So then I had Cairns and I had Sunshine Coast. So I was flying between the two of them like once a month for a week or sometimes it would be a little bit longer in between, but that was normally majority of the time. So I ended up becoming like this FIFO like business owner flying in and out between the, the stores. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, I've had the business three years, um, in Sunshine Coast. And that was when it was becoming, um, the lease was becoming to be finished. And I was like, I, we need more space. I think by that point, I, I always like lose count of how many, I think I might have had maybe six or seven girls. I could have possibly had more. I think it was about seven girls, um, in that first store. And it was so tiny. And I don't know how we all fitted in there. And even our clients laughed till this day, like the ones that were, had come over from there to the bigger store now. And they were like, how did you all fit in there? We would just look at you and you all just like in like little sardines, just like in your little tiny spaces. God, holy no space. I don't know how we made it work, but we did. And, um, and then when we moved to the new salon, it was absolute luxury. We had so much space. I was able to actually build basically my dream salon. It was just the most amazing thing, an amazing achievement to get to that point, um, to be able to do that for myself and for my business and for my staff. And, you know, I truly did look after my staff. Like I really, really looked after them. I had had bad experiences in the past um, with um, employers not looking after me. And, um, and so I thought, you know, I, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to be those people that you resent your boss and, and you're not happy with them for certain things. So I always said, you know, communication is key. We need to talk about these things. If you have an issue, you need to bring it up straight away. We need to resolve it. Um, and also then showing my appreciation. But apparently there's a thing called you showing too much appreciation and actually spoiling people too much. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it is. <laughs> so what comes with that is then entitlement and people start to become feeling entitled over a lot of things, um, feeling like they should have more and need more. Um, comments that have been made in the past, I just was like gobsmacked. It's very hard to make me silent and speechless but some of the comments that were made um was just crazy i don't even know whether i should go into any of those or not but it's just it's just crazy how some people can just get so entitled um and i guess that it was just kind of like hey it opened my mind to seeing that i thought my business was going so well for so long and then when i moved into the new store I think with like the prettiness that's all around it, everyone was like, well, she must be making so much money. Mm. She must be, you know, where's, where's my extra bit of money? Where's, you know, why am I not getting more from this? And, um, and it's like, just because there's pretty things around you doesn't necessarily mean behind the scenes there's actually struggles and financial struggles going on. And, you know, to do that, it's, there's a little thing called a loan. Like it's not actually your money. You still have to work to pay it off. And, you know, but they seen all of this, but it was just that they, yeah, I guess a lot of people started to feel a bit entitled and feeling like they needed more and should have more. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for achieving more in your life, but there's a way to go about it. Yeah. 
So how did you, because you had a lot of, we've talked about this, and this is when you sort of, mm. shortly after this, we started working together, but you had a lot of staff leave mm. because they left to go set up their own yeah. business. Um, and you had yeah. a lot of troubles with um, your intellectual property and, and being able to protect yeah. your So I suppose let's talk about that transition we made to help get you mm. out of that sticky situation and how now you're yeah. business and what, yeah, what your plans are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, basically, um, just kind of summarizing all of that. Um, I felt like business was going great and the way my, I was running my business was great. And then it wasn't until, um, all of this started happening and people started to really speak up and speak out of like issues and things that they felt like they had, um, that I started to really see cracks in my business. And that was when it was a massive mind opener to go, wow, I need to bring in HR, um, that like I need professional help now to come from different angles. That's not from my personal perspective, because when you include your emotions and your personal opinions, it's very hard to step away and actually resolve certain situations. So that's when then I needed that third party to just come in and help me guide me through all of that um, when it comes to um, different laws different agreements different contracts different so all of this that was happening and um, really kind of getting to understand that you know you really need to be having like weekly if not weekly every fortnightly meetings with each individual staff member and checking on um, what their goals what they um, want to achieve what they need to work on um, and it was exhausting it was absolutely exhausting and I'm like this isn't what I signed up for. This is not the way that I wanted to run my business. And it was almost like I, I had to become a mother and more like a mother, a boss, a like everything. I had to wear 10 hats all at the same time. And um, those hats are heavy. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't want to wear that many hats. <laughs> um, so yeah, it really started. It was a massive eye opener on, um, my happiness that these hats were weighing me down and, um, and I wanted to really focus on, okay, what is it that makes me happy? Like everyone else is talking about their happiness and what they want to do and they're leaving and setting up their own business and doing what makes them happy. Well, what is it that makes me happy? And, um, and managing staff is not that it's not for everyone and it's not for me. <clears throat> And so um, then I started to look into, okay, how can I restructure my business? Because I don't want to completely just throw it away or sell it. It's like I've spent so many years building this up and putting so much love and care into it. How is it that I can turn it around and turn it into something that can still keep flourishing? And, um, and that's when then, yeah, I obviously originally I first came to you um, just to help me with some marketing. But um, from that, then you've helped me with so much more. Um, and when I was speaking to you about restructuring my business, you obviously gave so many incredible suggestions and then I implemented them. So, um, yeah, the suggestion that you gave was, um, someone that you knew who had done a collaborative space, um, where they would invite other businesses in, um, the one business under the one roof, whether it be injectables, teeth whitening, beauty services, um, and so forth and all work under the one roof working together. Um, but as their own business. And I love that idea. I thought that was absolutely amazing idea. So they would rent the space from me. I would still be able to um, afford to pay for the rent and all the bills that go out by getting the um, income from the um, rentees. And at the same time, we can still work together. I can still do what I love in the salon and, and do my clients. And um, I've got one other girl working for me now. 
Um, so slowly and surely everyone's kind of gone off and done their own thing. And, um, and then now it's just me and one other girl and I have never been happier. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Finding out what makes you happy, isn't it? And it's in, 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 that's right. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Stress and pressure in business. And if there is stress mm. and pressure, it's because you're going against some grain. There's some friction you need to resolve. So, yeah. So you've also set up the Brow Bible Academy as well, which yes. is a super success and you've made it go international, <laughs> which is incredible. So maybe yeah. about that. Yeah, so um, it was literally a year ago when everything was kind of happening and not quite going the way that I expected it to go and having all the issues and troubles that I was, I and I started to really refocus on what is it that makes me happy. And out of all of this, I've trained every single one of those girls in some way or another. And I now they've been able to leave and set up and make thousands of dollars from a skill that I've taught them. And I just think, wow, like what an incredible way to help people and be able to give them a career like this that they can go off and do. And like through all of this, I do enjoy it. I do love sharing, um, being able to help as many people as I can through the knowledge that I've learned. And if I can um, prevent someone from making a mistake that I've made, then I really want to be able to share that. And, um, and so with that, then I started to rethink how I wanted to actually run my business. And I did want a second source of income stream too. And that's when then Brow Bible was born. <laughs> um, so I um, created Brow Bible um, in a way that I, so I could help more people. And I thought, well, I can't be everywhere all at the same time. So I want to be able to bring it online where I can reach to people worldwide and be able to share my knowledge and skills and everything that I've learned online um, to anyone around the world that wants to learn it. And, um, and then with that, I want to obviously build a rapport with people and let them know that I am a real person, <laughs> that I do really want to help people in person too. And so then I gave another service, which is then actually doing live masterclasses with myself um, and other um, people that want to attend. Um, and then um, this this year, actually, so fast forwarding a year, then I organized my first international masterclass, which was over in New Zealand. Yes, that was super yeah. exciting when you did that too. Um, yeah. I remember you always had this dream of, of launching your masterclasses international and mm. your partner was going to New Zealand and you were like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember actually... Um, just before you went, you were also going through a lot of issues um, with, you know, different staff and models reneging on agreements and all of that kind of stuff. And it was such a difficult period of time for you to focus mm -hmm. on um, what you were trying to achieve because you had all of this yeah. stuff happening in the background. But one thing I was super proud of you was in under two weeks, you were able to reshape and reframe your whole mindset from all of these horrible things happening to mm -hmm. this is what I want to accomplish and I'm going to get it. And yeah, set out there and within two weeks, you sold out your masterclass and you actually achieved yeah. it. And I think that's a yeah. huge testament to you as a business owner, but also your resilience you've built up over the years from all of the things that you've mm -hmm. been through. Like you've, mm -hmm. yeah, you've done an incredible Yeah, well, going back to um, the masterclass, obviously I called you at one point and um, I put it out there and just like a lot of things that I like with um, my online stuff, I've put a class out there and then it's not done as well as I thought it would. And it's not until I've implemented the right tools and ways of marketing things. That then it's obviously I've seen the difference that it does make with what you've taught me um, to be able to get it out there and get it in front of the right, the right people. Mm. and the right customers. And, um, and that was the same thing when it came to advertising my, um, 
uh, overseas masterclass, I put it out there probably about six weeks before I was actually going to be doing it. And that is quite a short amount of time I felt was to put it out there. Cause normally a lot of people when they're going, especially overseas to do a masterclass, they put it out there months and months in advance. Um, but because I just kind of decided last minute, you know what, let's do it. Let's just go, let's make it happen. Let's do a masterclass overseas. Um, I put it out there six weeks beforehand and I got a bit of interest, but not really a lot of people securing their spots and actually, um, wanting to actually do the masterclass and the closer and closer the date got, I was freaking out. And I'm like, I've bought these flights. I've like, you know, I'm going over there and I'm meant to be doing this international masterclass. And it's disappointing me that like I wanted to do my first one and there's not as many people wanting to attend as I thought I would. And I was really getting down about the situation. And then obviously when I spoke to you, you really wanted to just like change my mindset you know, I love that when you sent me to put as a screensaver on the back of my phone that you will sell out your masterclass. This is how much you're going to make. This is what we've got to manifest. And then to wake up every day and tell myself that. And I just was like, at any point right now, I'm going to do this. Just anything that's going to help, I'm going to do it. So I set it on the, on, as a screensaver on the back of my phone. I changed my mindset and also worked on my dream 100 and approaching the right people to try and help me um, advertise my business. It wasn't necessarily my masterclass. And it wasn't then until I reached out to a um, brow artist in um, Australia that has a huge following. She shared one of my products that I had sent her um, complimentary for her to try and she loved it. And because she shared it, then that's when it broadened my audience. And that's when then I got a lot of New Zealand attraction. And that's when my class sold out. So it was just persistence of just constantly working on any angle I possibly could to try and get this class sold out and believing in I will sell this class out um, and just continuing with it. And I did. And I actually ended up having to change the location because I originally was going to do it in um, Auckland. And um, that was where I wasn't really getting that much attraction. And then all of a sudden in Wellington, everyone in Wellington, I felt like wanted to do my class. And even once I'd finished the class and left, everyone was like, no, I missed out. And I was like, this is an amazing feeling. This is great. <laughs> so from like freaking out and worrying that I'm not going to sell out to then having that was just amazing. Yeah, it was such a good feeling. <laughs> it's so funny how you've got to be ready to and agile, be agile and ready to pivot your business. Like you said, Auckland wasn't yeah. where Wellington was. And if you hadn't have listened to the market, you may, you may have missed out on that opportunity altogether. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so it, since then, obviously mm. COVID-19's hit, it's shut yeah. salons down. But because you're able to create that online presence, um, now your business mm -hmm. is th um, thriving and flourishing because you've got that online presence. Mm. So, yeah, you've done an incredible job. And so maybe share a little bit about what your online offering is all about. Yeah, so um, I am so glad I've done what I've done. And just like going back to before, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And it's just... Um, going from re like transitioning the business from having all that stuff. Like I couldn't, I would probably be pulling my hair out right now if I still had two stores and 14 staff in a situation of what we're going through right now. Um, it would have just been so stressful. So I do feel for a lot of business owners and salon owners that are out there right now that have had to close their business down and are in a similar situation. Um, and this is where like, I really do want to try and help because I feel like online is so important 
this is where you can reach out to so many more customers when it doesn't matter how many stuff you have or how many stores you have you're capping yourself with how much money you can make um and then also a lot of added stresses too that come with that um but with online i'm not saying there's not stresses online there is but it's just in a different way and not just that, but you're able to reach out to so many more people. So to be able to transition my business now to just having one staff member, it's just me and her in the salon and then other people that are renting the areas um, to then just focusing on my online businesses and having my courses. Now that everyone's at home, they can be learning from home. So it's just the most perfect thing that could have really turned out for me is um, having all of this already set up for this to happen. So yeah. You've done an amazing job, Jade, and your story is phenomenal. And I don't doubt that anybody who listens to this is going to just be in awe of you. I've actually got another client who does lash and brows as well. And your story, we crafted it and you posted it on Instagram. She said Mm -hmm. that hooked her to come back and buy more and more and more from you because how real of a person you were and how much you'd been through. And it just creates that human element kind of business. Yeah. 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 That's so good. No, I'm glad that I can share. Like it is always scary. It's a bit like vulnerable to share your story, but at the same time, that is a huge reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now with my classes and my online stuff. It's not just to teach people how to do brows and help them grow their career. It's so much more than that. Anything that I can help with business wise or personal, whatever anyone's going through, like I want to be able to share and at least even if I'm just helping one person, like I'm happy that I can do that. Yeah, that's a beautiful. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. That's okay. Um, I'll make sure I pop your contact details on the bottom of the video or in the description so anybody can reach out and get in contact with you. Yeah. And yeah. thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have an amazing day, guys. Mm-hmm.